So for many years, Lando was the guy with the, all the power. He ran a hugely successful Christian bookstore here in Abbotsford, and he was in control of the books that would be included in his store. Some questioned his choices, especially those Jerzak books, but Lando didn't choose books or music that he necessarily agreed with. He showed his character by embracing the little ones and made space on his shelves for thoughts and ideas that might not have been standard in the Christian circle. Bradley and I have appreciated Lando for about the last 20 years, not so much before that, but in 20 years. Um, but getting to know him outside of his extreme power and influence has been absolutely delightful. Lando is as authentic as it gets, and I welcome you to have a good listen this morning as he shares with us from his unique perspective. Jesus, you know our friend Lando, and he knows you. Would you bless him this morning as he shares with us? Amen. I just requested a mic stand. <laughs> I should have done that ahead of time. Yeah, I should have listed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. There's two reasons for that, and, and that is uh, so I don't run around on the stage and try to be goofy or anything. Stage, right. Okay. Thanks a lot. <clears throat> All right. So I hope you had a good breakfast. I sure did. Thanks, for every, thanks to everyone for bringing this stuff. It was fantastic. Welcome to the wonderful folks on Zoom, wherever you are. Give a wave. <laughs> uh, my name is Lando, has been uh, mentioned. Uh, my wife is Kathy. We have four kids, and they produced uh, 13 grandkids, aged uh, four months to 19 years, and they live in the area, Chilliwack, Vancouver, and Abbotsford. I was a bookseller for a long time, and I'm retired, and uh, I'm mostly enjoying this new phase of life. We've been uh, the bridge for 12 years, something like that. Thank you to Eden for asking me to speak. I have spoken a few times on Zoom, my first time in person, and I often do uh, marketing seminars. So if this turns into a bit of a business thing, <laughs> just hang in there. So thank you. Uh, I read the four passages a few times in lectionary and decided to stick with the uh, one in Matthew. All right. Now, imagine this little scenario. You and... Three friends decide to go on a little hike. And you go up to uh, some mountain nearby. It could be Sumas Mountain, Lost Lake. Anybody, anyone ever been up to Lost Lake? Chadzi Lake? You made a healthy lunch. Some Costco canned chicken with uh, grapes and walnuts, thinly sliced carrots, celery, dried cranberries, some mayo curry seasoning between a couple slices of sourdough bread and some salted lime Mexican lager from Fieldhouse. It's very expensive, but this is a special occasion. One of your friends is a bit more mature and you call him Teach because he's always telling stories. Some have uh, uh, some humor attached, some are pretty straightforward, some are completely outrageous. You got to the picnic 
area to be made a little campfire. And uh, after lunch, you lay down on some moss. About 10, 12 minutes later, you were awakened by Teach talking to some old guys that you know are long since dead. Now, you don't believe in reincarnation, time travel, or visions. So this is mind-blowing. And your friend is now basking in the, light, the brightest light that you ever saw. It was scary. You don't know what to do. You usually keep your expletives in check. But somehow they started coming out because you didn't know what to do. You didn't know what you were seeing. You couldn't comprehend it. And then you heard the voice of God. Okay? So just hang, hang with that a little bit. All right, let's read the Bible story. Long ago in Mark 9. Is it up there? It's coming up. I took a section from uh, different translations and from different Gospels, it, and I mashed them together a bit. So it's a bit clunky the way it comes across. That's not a very good word. Clunky, awkward. It's not smooth, you know? But before we read that, just think about this. Jesus was talking to a variety of people about some very serious things. And one was rising, dying and rising again. And then Jesus also said, if anyone wants to know to follow me, let that person renounce oneself and lift up one's cross and follow me. That's, that's very tough stuff. Okay, there we go. Now, six or, days, six or eight days later, depending on which gospel you read, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain. Some say it was Mount Tabor. Some say it was Mount Hermon. Tabor is about 1,800 feet high. Mount Hermon is 9,200 feet. I think it was Tabor. And Jesus says he wants to pray. And at some point, Peter and those fell into a heavy sleep. As Jesus was praying, his face's form changed into another, and his robe was white as light. It was dazzling and radiant. He was metamorphosed before them. His face shone like the sun. His robe was brighter than anyone in the world could bleach it. He was transfigured before them. Obviously now these disciples are awake and completely stunned. And Elijah and Moses are talking with Jesus. Peter didn't know what to say. He was jumping up and down. He got very excited and said, let's make a tent or a shelter for each of you, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Then a cloud enveloped them. Everyone became afraid, and a voice came from the cloud and said, this is my royal son elected. Listen to him. Or this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. They looked around, and no one was there but Jesus. And they did forget one line, and it says that Jesus said, don't be afraid. They started coming down the mountain, and Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone about this until the Son of Humanity was crucified and had risen. Then the disciples talked amongst themselves about what rising from the dead meant, and they asked a question or two. I'd like to pull this apart a little bit, ask a few questions, give you some of my thoughts, and uh, then we'll have some music and uh, clean up the place. Uh, there are a few leftovers, so you could probably sneak over there and grab some from someone else's plate with no one watching. And then maybe later today you're going to take part in uh, something uh, that I call the all-consuming cultural sporting event 
totally driven by the forces of mammon and eagle, ego, and of course some athleticism, the Super Bowl. Go Kansas City, go, go 49ers, and go Taylor Swift. <clears throat> okay, let's talk about the mountain. Have you ever hiked up the mountain to pray and seek God? It was January 1st of 1977. I'm pretty old, just turned 70. A few months after meeting this fun, vivacious, ever-smiling American girl from Minnesota named Kathy, that I invited her to come up to Sumas Mountain to hang out with me. I told her I'd like to go up there and think about the future and, and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe get some clarification on things. And I, I said, hopefully I said to pray, but I was kind of shy. If, if I had said to pray, that would really tie in with this story, wouldn't it? But uh, I, I picked, her, picked her up in my old rear, rear wheel drive, 1964 Econoline Ford van, which is falling apart in many ways. A few years earlier, my mother did the very cool thing of sewing psychedelic, paisley, pink, purple, and yellow curtains. Very trendy for that era. For that era. There was a bit of snow on the road, so near the top, I started spinning out. No weight in the back. Those vans were ridiculous. And we had to walk the rest away, but that was okay. I grabbed her hand. Uh, excuse me? We, we, were, we were wearing mittens. That was my wife. Thought you should know we were wearing mittens, so it was you know it wasn't it was it wasn't too bad. We enjoyed the crisp crisp views of uh, Massaquoit Prairie, the Fraser River, North Shore Mountains, and I don't think we actually prayed, but something very spiritual came over me, and it was 26 days later, after an evening date to Bellingham, that I asked her a question. I hadn't been planning it, and what didn't have a ring, but I did ask her to marry me. And it all turned out because she said yes. And that was 47 years ago. Mm. It started on a mountain. Something about being on a mountain uh, can bring clarity, peace, sense of wonder. Peter, James, and John never forgot that day. The New Testament mentions mountains several times. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. He, he prays on the mountain before the crucifixion. He ascends into heaven from Mount of Olives, which is 2,600 feet high. And many other biblical references to mountains. There's an interesting one in uh, Ezekiel 34. The mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on the rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. So let's go up to the mountains. Let's take opportunities. And there are chances right here in uh, our area, little hikes just off Harvest Drive or up past Ledgeview Course. You can see amazing views. We like to go to Mount Baker in August or early September. You drive up past the ski hill and you look around 360 degrees. Stunning. Of course, there's Mount CM. You know, uh, sometimes you can see it, but not today. You can see Sumas Mountain over there. Uh, nevertheless, um, glorious, glorious views. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Our friend Brian Dirksen wrote the song, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Let's sing the first line. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. 
Where does my help come from? Surprised you there, eh? Oh, no, that's it. No, that's it. No, just the first line. Thank you very much. You can see how our marriage goes, eh? Hey, uh... <laughs> hey, anyways, falling down. Sorry, but sorry, sir. Okay, getting disrupted here. 17 minutes is going to stretch a bit now. That's all right. Okay, we're talking about mountains. Now we're going to talk about change. Change from the law and the prophets to the way of Jesus. I think in the transfiguration, we're going to have some, uh, some art come up here, which takes place on the mount. We have a picture of the law and the prophets giving way to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of Jesus. And if you remember Moses on the mountain, he got the Ten Commandments. 7,400 feet high. So if you, the higher you go up the mountain, the bigger the revelation. You want the, you want the tablets? Go up high. Just joking. For those of you on Zoom, know that I'm joking. One gospel said they were talking about Exodus. Another account simply says they were talking. Kind of leaves it to our imagination. Moses represents the law and Elijah the prophets. Matthew 5.17 says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. I find that very tricky, and I don't understand all that at all. But this is a very big deal for the people of Israel. The law was so important to them. The law was their foundation for life, their guiding principles, their weekly rituals, and their, their, their festivals and feasts were so ingrained into them, so much a part of them. To imagine anything different was nearly impossible. So with the transfiguration, we see a picture of change. Oh, I love that one because it's like, what's going on there? It's like a, a lava, a, like an a exploding volcano. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis means a change of the form or nature of a thing or person to a completely different one. In insects or amphibians, we see the process of transfiguration of transformation from an immature form to an adult form in two or more distinct stages. Oh, shoot. I see a note to myself here. It says, Lando, develop this a little more. Uh, well, I changed my mind about that. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a scientist. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. Ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is a spirit. Sounds like a transfiguration. In Scott McKnight's translation, it says, we all having an unveiled face, reflecting the Lord's splendor, and are metamorphosed in the same image. And from one splendor to another splendor, and we are from the Lord, who is a spirit. There's that word again, metamorphosed. It was used... Uh, in the transfiguration story. Isn't the whole story of the Bible about the journey that God's people were on and the changes that happened along the way? Change is a significant part of the Bible. Jesus, born of a virgin, living, leading, dying, rising, ascending, and then the day of Pentecost, the new body of Christ in his followers. Talk about a change. The disciples' behaviors changed dramatically. The Bible says they sold property, and with the money they gave it to 
the apostles to give to the poor. That's a different way of doing things. And then there's Peter. Peter was a key guy at the transfiguration. He was brass, talkative, loyal, scared, excitable life of the party, wouldn't you say? On the mountain where, where Jesus met, met him, was metamorphosed and Moses and Elijah showed up, he got really excited and he was, then he was silenced. That must have been really, really hard. He talked about the shelters and tents, which was probably a reference to the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, where the Israelites would construct a temporary shelter and out back and eat their meals there. This was in commemoration of God supplying them for 40 years in the wilderness. So Peter, in his enthusiasm, suggested that they, they do that right then and there. But then the voice of God. The timing might suggest that the idea uh, needed to be dropped. Also, right then, Jesus comforts them and says not to be afraid. And then they were about to head down the hill, and Peter was definitely going to tell everybody. I sure would have. Come on. I get really excited when I read a book or I meet some friends and I tell some other people, like, I can't be quiet. Jesus sensed that and gave clear directions not to say anything until after the resurrection. Do you know how long that was? It was 40 days from the transfiguration to the crucifixion. 40 days till the ascension and 10 days till Pentecost. And then Peter, Peter let go. You ever wondered about those speeches in Acts? Did he have them ready in his back pocket? Just bring that out. Because they were quite amazing and they were quite long. I think he just spoke with the anointing of God. They were powerful. He references how the prophets foretold of a new kingdom coming. Peter remembered Three months earlier now, that, that metamorphosis, that transfiguration. And shortly after that, there was, he was involved in the healing, and there was interaction with people. And he was told again not to talk about it. Those friendly church leaders, Caiaphas and Annas, and there was a guy named John there too. Uh, but Peter says, we cannot help but talk to the people. Peter would listen to Jesus and follow and obey, but not necessarily the church leaders. I found that very interesting. The journey from Transfiguration to Pentecost was filled with many changes, especially for Peter. Started as a fisherman, became a Jesus follower, experienced the Transfiguration. Three times he denied Jesus. His friend Jesus died as he said he would, and I'm sure Peter was pretty low, pretty discouraged, despair almost. And Jesus rose again and ascended. Wow. The transfiguration is a, certainly a picture of the resurrection, don't you think? The day the fire came down on Peter and the rest of them, and his speeches turned into persuasion and, and uh, action. Peter became an active leader in the early church. Lots of change in Peter's life. Okay, 90 seconds, we'll be done, approximately. Firstly, I want to encourage you to get up on the mountains. Walk up one or just drive up one. Just get up there and have a look. Today's probably a bad day for it, but a bit cloudy. You know how we do Visio Divina sometime here or on Zoom? Do that up on the mountain. What do you see? Is there something you haven't noticed before? How does that view, how does it stir you? 
Is there anything being impressed on you? Just enjoy the wonder, too. You don't have to go through those questions, but maybe it brings a bit of focus. Enjoy the wonder. And secondly, somehow try. I'm going to try a little more, too. Let's be open to change. Even though it can be scary, challenging, and difficult, let's try to say yes to it. Even small change, small metamorphosis, small metamorphosis. I don't know if there can be such a small one, but you can't compare your experience to the transfiguration. Come on. So like our, our metamorphosis is probably going to be a little less dramatic, but let's say yes to that. Say yes. The last scripture. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over the minds, over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us with unveiled faces. Hey, let's try reading that together. Uh, all of us. Number 18 there. Let's start. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. That's it. Thank you.